2: can listen to the full show monday through saturday from 9 a.m to noon eastern on siriusxm fight nation channel 156
1: welcome to the busted open podcast this is dave lagreca on today's episode wwe hall of famer bully ray and i Dissect A.E.W. Dynamite from last night. What was good? What was bad? What got you excited? What didn't? We get into everything, especially a little bit on MJF and Chris Jericho and their interaction at the beginning of that show last night. How about the big debut of Miro surprising everybody and showing up on A.E.W. Dynamite? And Bully takes us to school on the art of selling. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. I know that there's people who absolutely love AEW, no matter what, they're going to love it. And I get that kind of passion. And I get that kind of loyalty. And then there's people who just hate on AEW for no reason, which, again, I don't get. I don't get that side of it. But also reading a lot of... And, you know, after the shows, I love kind of getting the fans' take on social media. And I also like going to a lot of the pro wrestling websites to see their take as well. And a lot of people are saying that that show last night was a little slow and dull in places. You could talk about, like, storytelling or selling and not registering. All right. But I cannot look at a show like the one that we saw last night and say that it was slow and prodding. And, and I, 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 I can't. The one thing I thought I think that Dynamite has been able to do consistently week in and week out... Is keep that show moving, having chemistry from one segment to another, and keeping it entertaining and fun. I, I think AEW has been able to do that consistently over the last nine to ten months. Uh, one word that I would never use to describe AEW is
2: slow. Um, if anything, they could probably slow it down a notch, especially with their in-ring action if they just wanted to tell some more stories but i'm not telling them that they have to nor should they if that's what their fan base likes uh no not slow at all i mean i put up a poll last night 75 25 everybody was thumb uh, 75% thumbs up 25% thumbs down now i got some interesting tweets last night about the show most of the tweets was oh my god i loved that i loved that i loved it but then i'm getting <clears throat> a couple that really resonate with me because People are saying, I just don't get it. How could you possibly like that show with the wrestling matches that they're putting on? Because a lot of fans are questioning the quality of the matches because of the psychology, because of the lack of selling. So before we went to break, I told you there was one thing that really stood out to me that, that bothered me, and I, I would never allow this to happen personally, and I don't know why they do it. First match of the night, Luchasaurus and um, uh, Jungle, Jungle, Jungle Boy yep. against the Lucha Brothers. Yep. Lucha Brothers are, have been presented in AEW as a pretty strong tag team, correct? Yes. All right. End of the match, the Lucha Brothers hit a top rope package pile driver double team on Jungle Boy. They get a two count. And then right after that, there's a misdirection. Jungle Boy scoops up one of the other Lucha Brothers and gets the win and then just rolls out and sits on the apron. I don't know about you, Dave. Dave. But in the world of pro wrestling I come from, you get hit with a package pile driver, you get and stretch it out. Now, I know they're not going to stretch him out last night, but you got to sell that move a lot more. And whoever the agent is for that match has to recommend to those guys that that move gets sold a lot more. I'm not saying <clears throat> that Jungle Boy can't get up after the move once it is sold properly, so they could have hit that move on him. He could have kicked out, but it would have probably been better to make a save, because nobody should be kicking out of a package pile driver, unless you're Hulk Hogan, you know, in nineteen, uh, you know, eighty-five and about the Hulk up. So Jungle Boy is a smaller dude taking a monster double team move of a pile driver luchasaurus could have very easily made the save they could have did a little transition stuff with luchasaurus where luchasaurus would have gotten bumped out also in this time that they're working with luchasaurus jungle boy is still on the cell still on the cell and now as he's struggling to get to his feet The Lucha Bros go for that other double-team move. Jungle Boy gets out of the way. The partner gets sunset flipped. And now Jungle Boy scoops the other guy up, gets the one, two, three, and then goes right back down to the cell. That's what makes sense. That's how you do that if you absolutely positively have to get a package pile driver in. It's that lack of registering and lack of selling that, in my opinion, hurts that company. Because it's very easy to tighten those screws. It's very easy to incorporate more psychology into your matches. It's very easy to incorporate more selling and registering. Once again, I'm not saying don't do the moves you want to do. I am not saying don't do the package pile driver. What I am saying is please register, but most importantly, sell it properly so you can keep the credibility on the move otherwise you're going to blow through all this shit nothing's going to ever matter and now you're going to have to do two package pile drivers and three package pile drivers when does it become too much And with veterans there in the back Who are supposed to be agents Helping out It's mind-boggling to me That this stuff happens So I say to myself Okay, maybe Luchasaurus doesn't know better Maybe Jungle Boy doesn't know better Maybe the Lucha Brothers don't know better And the Lucha Brothers probably don't know better Because their style of wrestling is strictly Spot, 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 spot But I'm thinking Don't the
1: agents there know better? Go ahead no, because it's, it's interesting what you're saying because you said like, you know, like Penta and, and you know, like the, the Lucha Brothers, like they're coming from a world of Lucha Libre where there, it is a lot of spots and there's not a lot of selling. Is Aew kind of and we've talked about this before, just like a buffet where they're going to give you a little bit of everything, and this match, and usually and usually bully, it's the opening match on the show. We've seen this many times. most of the time we're having this conversation when it comes to psychology and not selling. It's usually the opening contest on an Aew dynamite or a pay-per-view. Is this what's become now accustomed? To AEW, like that opening contest, this isn't going to be like one of those matches that are, is going to be psychology driven. This is going to be just like a car crash to kind of just get you going, get the energy level up, and set the pace for the rest of the show. Is that maybe the message that AEW is delivering with these type of matches? It, that is, and that's fine.
2: And I'm not even saying that that first match needs to have psychology. If you want to open up and come on the air and go, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to AEW Dynamite. We're starting over at a tag team tornado match. Yeah, that's fine. Great. But that does not mean that the style of the match should affect the selling. I'm sorry. One guy standing on the top rope and double stomping another guy into a package pile driver that's that's major, man. That's a big deal. That's a big deal move. It's not like a clothesline. It should be sold and registered properly. And once again, Dave, I'm not coming on here as one of those guys going, they should have never done that. Oh, blah, 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 blah. No, what I'm saying is, use your freaking brains and think about the move, how it should be sold, and then form the match in a way where jungle boy can realistically make it back from that and all they had to do was throw in a transition with luchasaurus and it would have been very simple to do i don't understand why aew still allows the lack of selling of these bigger moves that's my problem lack of selling you want to go buck wild and hit every move in the book go right ahead have fun go crazy go 100 miles an hour but sell if you don't
1: sell the move doesn't mean shit i and that i i, I get I'm, I'm gonna throw something out there and i could be completely off the track and 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 correct me if i'm wrong now we know that AEW Dynamite's been around for less than a year. It started last October, so it, we're you know we're a month away from their one-year anniversary of this show. So it's a, it's a it's a very very new company. We're about to start the the 2020 campaign of the NFL season starting tonight, and it's going to be unlike any other NFL season ever because there's there's been no preseason. The, the training camps were a mess, so we're going to see like I would say maybe even the first half of this season where people are going to be out of sync, there's not going to be a lot of chemistry, You know, the game plan aren't going to go the way that they want to because they really haven't had the opportunity to gel together because they haven't had that time as a, as a team to do it. So a lot of teams that are getting thrown together, the Bucs being, for an example, to have you know, Brady coming in and they haven't had that chance to really practice, I, I don't know if they're going to have a very successful campaign because they haven't had that time to gel. Does a lot of what we're seeing with AEW and a lot of things that you're talking about when it comes to selling and psychology, could it be that this is a new company and they haven't really had the time, especially now with the pandemic, to really get things on track and get it right? No.
2: Okay. Because selling is something that should be instilled in a talent from day one. Goes back to wrestling schools, kind of goes back to the discussion me and Dreamer were having on Tuesdays. So, uh, gelling together, if, if the discussion this morning was uh, the Lucha Brothers and Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy didn't have great chemistry in the ring because they didn't have a chance to go over their match earlier in the day or they never worked before, then I would agree with you and go, yeah, sometimes chemistry is just off. Timing is just off. It happens. But to blatantly not sell moves. I'm sorry. There's I don't believe there's room for that. We went as crazy in ECW as they went or they are going in AEW. We were doing violence for the sake of violence. They're doing moves and spots for the sake of moves and spots. The difference is things were sold back then. And if things weren't sold properly, when you got to the locker room, there was a veteran there to smarten you up, to instill in you why you needed to sell. So what I'm saying, I'm just going to say this. If I was the agent or the producer on that match last night and the Lucha Brothers and Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus said, we're going to do this. 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 And I know it's the first match and I know it's trying to set the tone. What I'm saying is this guys go out there, tear the house down, steal the show, give them what they want, but. Jungle Boy, you got to sell that package pile driver better. So while you're down selling, Luchasaurus, you're going to come back into the ring. You're going to double clothesline. The Lucha Brothers. Boom. You're going to fire up on the both of them. You're going to go to do something, but they're going to catch you and they're going to double slingshot you onto the top rope. And when you come up selling, they're going to toss you the other way over the top. Then you guys are going to go back to Jungle Boy. You're going to pick Jungle Boy up. You're going to go for that sunset flip off the top rope, but he's going to duck underneath. In the amount of time that you spent with Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy had the appropriate amount of time to sell the package pile driver. That's the only thing I'm saying here. That's how you tighten the screws, and that's how you get something sold properly, and you keep credibility on a maneuver.
1: And, and, I'm, and I'm guessing, too, Bully, like you have somebody like Ray Phoenix. Ray Phoenix, you know, AAA, Lucha Underground. Like, you know what you're getting from somebody like Ray Phoenix. So it's really on, like, Jum- Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus to be like, all right, We know what we're getting here. You guys have to do a better job of selling that because you're going to get it, but it's got to make sense in the context of the match. I don't think either one of those four guys knows
2: better. And that's not a slight on these guys. I don't think they've these. A lot of these younger wrestlers are brought up having psychology and selling drilled into their skull. Unfortunately, we have a generation of wrestlers who work for the pop. And that, I could go in here and tell you why working for the pop is wrong and blah, blah, blah. It, it, it's, it's, it's a, there's, a, there's a certain methodology that goes into this. Is working for the pop wrong? No. But you want to work for the pop at the right time. You can't just go pop, 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 pop. Eventually, it gets played out. You have to pick and choose where you put these pops. You have to work smarter. And I'm not a big fan of the term, you know, like, you know, work smarter, don't work harder. No, I believe in working hard and smart because I don't like don't work hard. It sounds lazy to me. Work extremely hard. Work extremely hard every single night. Work so hard that nobody can follow you, but work smart so it makes sense. And and that's that's the one thing I wish AEW would do. I'm thoroughly entertained by the product. I enjoy the product. all From the silliness to the high spots, I, I, I let everything. But when I see things just blatantly not sold, I say to myself, eventually, this is going to catch up to these guys. It might not be tomorrow, next week, next month, but eventually the lack of selling will become an issue. Did you see a lack of selling in Finn Balor versus uh, Adam Cole? No. Did you see a lack of selling with Rhea Ripley and uh, Mercedes Martinez? No. As a matter of fact, those four talents oversold, which made their matches more credible. And that's what the WWE will always instill in you. Sell, sell, sell.
1: Right off the bat, AEW Dynamite hooked me. And they did it in such a small, ingenious way. And they did it with two of the best in the company right now. And they did it with Jericho and MJF. You have Chris Jericho and MJF both showing up at Daly's place at the same time. Tony Schiavone's out there. They come out of their escalades. They bump into one another. And they're both kissing each other's asses. They're both stroking. They're both chasing the hug. Oh, you had a great match. Oh, you had a great match. You, you, you got screwed. No, you got screwed. What you're going through is bullshit. And then they both walk away and they go, oh, geez, that loser. I, I thought that was a great way to plant a little bit of a seed. Just a little bit of a seed. Probably not going to go back to that in, in days, weeks, or months even. But I thought they did a good job of planting a little tiny seed with two of the best. And I'm talking two of the best, you know, one that's, you know, what, 49 years old and the other who's 24 years old. But I really love that interplay between those two to start off AEW dynamite last night. Um, without
2: a doubt, and it shows that MJF can hang with anybody. MJF's presence on screen is just as big as Jericho's. MJF is one of those guys, you know, I always talk about command and demand of the spotlight. MJF is one of those guys that actually could step in a shot and take that spotlight away from Jericho. That's how good MJF is. Uh, I was laughing last night when I saw that, because it's almost like an inside joke on the wrestling business, because That's how wrestlers talk to one another. Like too many times, they stroke each other's ego, like tell the other guy what they want to hear and then walk away and absolutely... Bury them, and that goes on in the in the wrestling business more often than not. Um, it's one of my huge problems with the wrestling business that guys are so phony to one another. But I like the way uh, it it went last night. It was entertaining, and MJF content- continues to take steps forward, no matter what uh, he uh, he's asked to do.
1: And it got like it got me excited that. Maybe somewhere down the road, we could have MJF in the ring with Chris Jericho. Now, MJF, I never want him to change his personality, and that could change over time, but he is just so good as a heel. But as you've talked about, and you've had this conversation with Mark Henry, you've had this conversation with Tommy Dreamer, Chris Jericho is the Camille, I mean, he could go either way. I mean, he could be a babyface, or he could be the top heel. And, you know, a baby face, Chris Jericho going up against the heel MJF, because I think in the heart of hearts, every fan of AEW Dynamite wants to cheer Chris Jericho. Case in point, when he comes out, everybody sings a song. Uh,
2: I think that was the highlight of the night for me last night, not because Chris is my friend or I want to blow smoke up his ass to hear the. 10 20% of fans that are actually allowed into Daly's place singing uh, the end of Judas. It's really, really cool. Uh, It shows you how much of a megastar Chris is, uh, both in rock and roll and wrestling. It's uh, one of those great interaction moments. Uh, Miro had a great interaction moment also last night. Jericho is the MVP of... Of AEW because he's he's so versatile. There's nothing that he can't do. Whether he's doing stupidity like falling into a uh, a vat of of mimosas, or he's having an ultra serious, credible match like he did with uh, Hangman Page to become the first ever AEW champion. When you're a booker or when you are part of a creative team, you look for guys like that that are so versatile that you know anything you throw at them, they can make work. Kind of like great, great actors who can show their range and play ultra serious roles. I mean, look at Keanu Reeves, right? Just came back to do Bill and Ted's, which is, you know, goofy and wonky and funny and, you know, you know, stupid. Um, but you know, but entertaining at the same time. And meanwhile, Keanu's playing, you know, uh, whatever his name is, is in the Matrix and uh, or any of the other serious roles he ever played. I really like the one where he played uh, the lawyer, and uh, and Pacino was the devil. And it, you just—it shows the range, and Jericho has that range.
1: Hey, everybody, this is Fran Frischella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic fires it into uh, Mickey. It, somehow. It- in each week i talk with the players coaches and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world real madrid have stolen
0: victory from the jaws of defeat episodes are available every thursday on the sirius xm app pandora and apple podcasts
1: now miro part of aew what'd you think of what we saw last night
2: Great get for AEW. Huge surprise. Uh, I was happy to hear the caller say that he never saw it coming. I was a little underwhelmed. I think I would have liked to have seen Miro debut in a different fashion, at least with a different look. I felt like he had just, you know, got done playing a video game at home and just decided to stroll out there Um I would have liked to have seen some physicality. I would have liked to have seen that Miro or Rusev that we've all come to know and love, that Bulgarian brute, that powerhouse, that beast. I'm not saying it shouldn't have been in that segment. It could have been in that segment. I just think they could have been a little bit more behind it. However, people were excited. They were into it. There was many chants. He got to say what he wanted to say. We can debate all day long whether or not he should have took the high road or not. It doesn't matter because that AEW fan base will eat that kind of stuff alive. They'll pop for it live. They'll go on social media and they'll be like, oh my God, did you hear Miro tell the WWE to shove their brass ring up their ass? More specifically, he's telling Vince because Vince is always the one talking about the brass ring. So once again... Playing directly to their audience. So I would have added some physicality. I would have added a little bit more oomph to it, but for the most part, it worked last night. And once there's people back in that arena, much like fans singing Judas, when you have 15,000 people, whenever we do get there, you know, chanting Miro Day. Uh, he's going to have the crowd because what, what did, what do Miro Zach Ryder and uh, what was that other guy's name? Damian Sandow all have in common. What's that? They all got over on their own and then got the, the got the hatchet job and they got over huge. Sandow was over to the, at one point we was, was so freaking over. He was getting the loudest chance in the, uh, of anybody in the arena. Same thing with Rusev. And we all know the Cardona story. So that's what happens when you get over on your own these days.
1: Yeah, it's a shame. Take care, brush your hair. Have a nice day. Bye. (laughs) Hey, you got to play by the rules. And obviously with a lot of what's going on outside the ring in the WWE with cameo and twitch these are things that you know aren't related to the wwe but when you sign that contract i'm guessing you're you are in the wwe so having that kind of business sense outside doesn't really help you it seems in in that company it may even hurt you and i think you just threw out some names that are examples of that bully but here's what's interesting and you're right about him coming out and you're right about the reaction that he got and boy that would have been a much different story if there was 10,000 people. I almost feel bad for AEW because you look at Matt Cardone, you look at Matt Hardy, and then you look at what we saw last night with Miro. Imagine those moments if there was 10,000 people in attendance, 12,000 people in attendance. You know, it almost, it almost hurts your heart when you think those, those would have been memorable, memorable moments. Like last night was cool. But let's face it, if it was front of a, a sold-out arena, that would have been a much memorable moment. You know, Matt Hardy would have been the ultimate example of that if there was a crowd. But we don't have a crowd, still a very, very cool moment. But one thing I got and listen, I'm, a, I'm in a 100 percent agreement with you, bully. When it comes to um, him taking the shot at the WWE, a lot of people might say that's petty. A lot of people might say, move on. Why You don't even need to go there. It feeds into the fan base. AEW, make no mistake about it, AEW is built on the anti-WWE fan. It's built on the fan that had enough of Monday Night Raw and enough of SmackDown, We're over this shit. We want an alternative. We want something different, thus AEW. Am I wrong? Nope, not at all. And I think that's why you take those shots, and maybe you you do do that. Do you take the high road? No! Take the low road, because that's what the fans want to hear, and that's the fans want to see. ECW never took the
2: low road? Nope. Taz would call out Steve Austin in his promos, challenge him to fights. Nobody took the low road in ECW, and that's why people loved it so much. We were so anti-WWE. You're seeing the same thing with AEW. That's why Miro playing into it works, because he'll trend number one. People will be talking about, oh, my God, did you hear what he said? Oh, he told Vince to F off. He told him to Like, I mean, it's like giving sugar to a sugar junkie. It's like
1: candy to a fat kid. But Pray you to want to go. know something? You have to do it, bully. I mean, this is what the fan base wants. So I, I honestly, I know it sounds crazy. I really don't have a problem with it. And it really didn't surprise me at all because the fan base wants to hear that. Uh, and you know what? And, and this day and age in pro wrestling, you know, people know what went b- behind, you know, like 30 years ago, nobody knew what went behind that curtain. Now everybody knows what goes on behind that curtain. So they know Rusev's story. The other thing, too, that was all over the Internet, and I don't know if you saw it, but I certainly did, is the fact that a lot of people are saying, hey, AEW's got to be careful with these WWE castoffs. You know, Brody Lee, Matt Cardona, Miro now, you know, you got to be careful. To me, I'm sorry, but I love that they're grabbing these guys. Because I, I, I want to see more from Miro. I want to see more from Brody Lee. And I want to see more from Matt Cardona. These are guys that are extremely talented. And as you said, Bully, got over on their own. But yet didn't get the opportunity in the WWE. That's, that's the WWE's problem. Not these wrestlers' problem. I'm glad that they now have a platform to be creative and to ultimately succeed.
2: Tony Khan and AEW have the same responsibility to their fan base that Vince McMahon and the WWE have to their fan base. And that is put on the best possible show anytime you're putting on a show. I don't care if those are WWE cast offs. I don't care if those are AEW homegrowns. Those, AE, those WWE cast offs were all real great talents. Got over. Were special at one time or another. Why not bring them in and use them to the maximum potential? Do they deserve a spot more than a homegrown AEW talent? They both deserve it equally. Whoever can earn that spot should get that spot. Darby Allen has earned his spot when he's handed it to him. When it's handed it to him, MJF has earned his spot. These are all younger guys. Do I think Darby Allen uh, and uh, MJF, younger guys, can hang with the Miro's, the Matt Hardys, the Matt Cardonas, the Brody Leaves of the world? Absolutely, because they are over. Thus can earn their spot. That's why, you know, uh, when I hear the argument about, oh, we should give the opportunity to this younger guy or this or that, hey, AEW's got to put on a great show. That's their responsibility to their fan base. And if Miro can, in- uh, can entertain you just as much as uh, any of the younger guys or, or vice versa, that's all AEW has to do. People who bitch and moan about, oh, well, this spot should go to this guy, this spot should go to that guy. You've never spent day one in the wrestling business and don't understand at the end of the day what the name of the game is. The name of the game is to entertain, put on the best possible show possible so they'll watch the following week and spend money.
1: And I think somebody like Miro, Rusev, and we've talked about this on the show, Bully. Like, going into WrestleMania 31 before that match with John Cena, you, you, there was nobody hotter than Rusev. He was, like, the top heel in the company at that time. And, you know, after that, you know, for whatever reason, a lot of people go back to the relationship with his now-wife Lana as being one of the reasons why. I don't know the reason, but to me, that's not good for business. If you have a guy that everyone is behind... And then you, they did the whole Rusev Day thing, and everybody thought it was a joke. And everybody's like, why are they doing this? guy was a top heel, and now they're making him joke. You know what he did? He got that over. He got that whole thing over to where it became a T-shirt. And it was the hottest-selling T-shirt on wweshop.com. And once it got so big, what did they do? They swiped that away from him. It's like all he did is everything that that guy did was get whatever they threw at him over. He's ultra talented. I'm glad he's getting this, you know, this type of uh, opportunity with AEW. And this is uh, one of the
2: problems that I have within the world of WWE from 20 years ago to now. 20 years ago, if you could go out out there and get over in five minutes, bang, they were writing for you immediately. Let's run with these guys today. If they don't write it for you, your chances of success are small. I'll just throw it out there right now, right in the middle of the AEW conversation. What talent in WWE who has gotten themselves over within the past five, ten years have they run with?
1: No, there's a, a dozen examples of them stumping, you know, stumping someone's growth, but I really don't know where they said, all right, let's take it and let's run with it. I really don't. I I really don't. Think about it. To to Fandango at WrestleMania 28, to Matt Cardona, to what we saw with Miro. There's plenty of examples. You know, Ryback recently said on his
2: podcast or in an interview that Triple H told him to his face, nobody's ever getting the Cena treatment anymore. And I've been telling you that on this show since the day it popped up on the show. John Cena is the last of the Mohicans. You'll never see another person be allowed to get over to that level that they can't control. Can the WWE control John Cena right now? Right now? Yeah. No, and they don't like no. that. Can, John, can the WWE control The Rock, Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan? No. no, they can't because they became so big. They got so over. Like I always say, nobody wrote Austin 316 means I just whipped your ass. Steve Austin said that off the top of his head and what happened overnight? Wham. Like somebody like somebody threw gasoline on a mere spark and look at the fire it created great for the wwe right but whoa when you get that big steve austin walked out on the match with brock lesnar who the hell's gonna walk out and then get their job back steve austin because he was that over the wwe doesn't want people to do that anymore aew is in a position where they can let these wrestlers spread their wings get themselves over let's embrace it let's run with it let's do something with it because aew's job is to grow and become as big as the wwe is
1: Yes, yeah, so you can do that with your talent, and you can do that with playmakers, and when you have playmakers, you put them in positions to make plays. Let's go out to the busted open nation. Let's go out to Mike in New Jersey. Mike, what did you want to say about AEW last night?
3: Hey, so I was calling specifically about like the Miro promo and a trend that I've noticed in general where I kind of disagree with you guys a little bit on this. Uh, first, let me just say I think Rusev is the best WWE signing that they've had since they started. So the guy's gold, but I think it damages these wrestlers. When you have someone like him or Matt Cardona come in, especially on their debut, when there is somewhat of a perception from some of the fan base that AEW signs all of like the ex WWE guys, to me, it just comes off as a little whiny with every single guy coming on and bitching about glass ceiling, Vince McMahon, like, that worked 25 years ago when this was new and fresh, when Stone Cold was ripping Eric off on ECW, but it's beaten to death now. It's the same thing with like when the indie guys come into next and their whole character is I work hard. That's not a fucking character. And that's why you don't have some of these guys getting over.
1: It. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, I kind <clears> of, <throat> again, Mike, again, just difference of opinion and I understand what you're saying, that if every guy that comes in from the WWE has this same statement to make, it's going to get old, and it's going to get old quick, but I got to disagree with you. You said it worked 25 years ago. Well, if it worked 25 years ago, why wouldn't it work now? Like Mike, you know, Mike, are, Mike are you a big WWE fan? Mike's,
2: Mike's no longer there. Um, it sounds and, and, like he's a WWE fan who gets mad when these wrestlers come along and... Speak disparagingly about the WWE. I would agree with Mike if it was a wrestler doing it every single week. But if you're going out there just one time, like Miro, you know, did last night or Cardona and said, you know what? Um basically they're kind of saying like free at last, free at last. Thank God I'm free at last. And now that I'm free, I'm gonna say whatever the hell I want and do whatever the hell I want and prove to everybody that me getting over was not a fluke. That's what they're that's what they're basically saying. So if you've been held down by a company for so long, there's a lot of things you want to get off your chest. And the reason why you get it off your chest on national television is because you're saying, look at what I could have been on national TV. You didn't allow me to do it. Why? Look at a guy like Cardona. I went to the gym every day. I stayed in top shape. I got myself over on YouTube. I did this, that, the other thing. People chanting woo, woo, woo. Like, what did he do wrong? What what did Miro do wrong? What did, did Cardona wrong. do wrong? What did Sandow do wrong? Nothing. Why? What? Credit to a guy like Vince Russo on a situation like this. If Russo was writing today for the WWE and he would have experienced any of those guys getting over organically, he would have been writing for them immediately, giving them something. That's that's what that's what old school bookers used to do. Go out there, listen to the people, see what's working, see what's clicking. And as soon as you see what's clicking, boom, that's what you run with.
1: And and Mike in New Jersey, and, and Mike, thanks so much for the phone call, but Mike in New Jersey brought up Stone Cold Steve Austin on ECW TV talking about Eric Bischoff, you know. Paul Heyman giving Stone Cold Steve Austin a microphone when he wasn't comfortable being on the microphone and saying, and, and Stone Cold saying, what do I do? And, and, and Paul Heyman says, talk, talk, say what's on your mind. It got him over, right? Well, why is this any different than what happened with Stone Cold Steve Austin 25 20 years ago 20 plus years ago it's not any different these guys are just as frustrated as stone cold steve austin was getting fired from wcw i mean you just said it bully mirror what did miro do wrong the only thing he did wrong was get himself over what did Zack ryder do wrong the only thing he's guilty of is getting himself over what did Brody lee do wrong killing it on house shows. They, all that he would do is put him on house shows and he became the MVP and the king of the house show. What, what did he do wrong? They got himself over in the position that they were put in. So why would they not be frustrated? And why would you, as a company like AEW, when your fan base is mostly anti-WWE, why wouldn't you just give your talent a microphone and speak? Hell, it worked from Oxley, didn't it? I mean, he got over being... D- D- Dean Ambrose went on Jericho's podcast and just annihilated the WWE. Instantly was the biggest superstar walking into AEW. And this is where, this is where
2: you can take a look at history and run with it. You mentioned, you mentioned Austin and Heyman. Paul knew how to tap into everybody's truth. Whatever your truth was, Paul handed you the microphone and said tap into it. I, I always go back to Taz because Taz is a really great example. And as much shit as I give Taz on this show because he fucking deserves it, I will put him over because he deserves it. Taz was angry back in the day. Taz was pissed off at the wrestling world because the wrestling world always handed Taz what he considered a raw deal, whether it was his height or or whether it was getting jerked around by the WWE at the time, uh, WWF, or by WCW not getting a real opportunity. And Paul said, all that anger, we're gonna channel it and it's going to become a part of you. And you're and he became one of the most credible guys because he made you believe anything you're saying. Tony Khan handing that microphone to Moxley, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing. Tony Khan handing that microphone to an MJF. Young kid, should he be getting this much promo time? Well, he proved that he should be getting this much promo time. And every time that little bastard gets on the microphone, you want to see him get his ass kicked more and more. Pro Wrestling 101, find what works and run with it. End of conversation. It's a hundred year old uh, theory, but it still works today. I'm not saying let wrestlers do whatever they want, whenever they want, because that Wild West shit won't work. Because then you got a uh, hundred guys wanting to be the World Heavyweight Champion. You tap into something that's unique and then you write around it. Use that unique personality aspect as the foundation of the character. The ringmaster sucked. 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 That same guy became Stone Cold Steve Austin. Why? Because Stone Cold Steve Austin spoke his truth.
0: Hello Sirius XM, this is Pat McAfee. Starting Wednesday, my show is coming to Mad Dog Sports Radio. If you don't know me, here's a resume. I used to kick balls for a living. Sometimes I do comedy. I'm an undefeated professional wrestler, except for one match. And I do a radio show where I'll entertain the living hell out of you with sports takes and some stories from my crazy life. The dumbest sports show to ever exist, the Pat McAfee show. We're on weekdays from noon to three Eastern, starting Wednesday on Mad Dog Sports Radio Channel 82, Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, or however the hell you stream in your house. When I
1: look at AEW Dynamite, another thing that kind of fell under the radar, but I think is kind of significant, was what we saw with Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. We talked about Chris Jericho in the little interaction with MJF at the beginning of the show. But after their match with Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela, you know, Chris Jericho took the microphone and he said, hey, bad night for the inner circle on Saturday. Everybody lost. Nobody won, especially me, still smelling like you know, orange juice from what took place on Saturday. But this is a turning of the page. This is a new chapter for the inner circle. And he made it clear that him and Jake Hager are going after the tag titles. So obviously we're getting a little bit of a shift from Chris Jericho. As of right now, he's not concerned about that AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Sounds like he is completely moving forward to those tag titles. What do you think about Chris Jericho and Jake Hager? I think Jericho and Hager are singles guys and
2: they should stay single guy and leave the AEW tag team division alone and let one tag team division in pro wrestling be unique to tag teams and not two singles guys coming together. That's what I think. No, everybody I knew, wants, to,
1: everybody sorry, wants to talk about I knew you were going to be opinionated about this. That's why I brought it up.
2: Everybody wants to talk about the AEW tag division, how great it is. Oh, FTR and the Bucs and uh, these guys. Uh, okay, we have a great tag division with legitimate tag teams. Here come two singles, guys, as tag teams who are probably going to get, if they do, are gonna, what are they going to do? Get pushed right to the front against FTR? No, you know what Jericho and Hager should have to do? Beat every single established tag team that's ever been on Dynamite from day one. Then you can have a shot at FTR, if they're still the champions by then. But otherwise, it's WWE 101.
1: No? Chris, uh, I agree with you, because Chris Jericho, and listen, we heard some of these things before he had the match with Hangman Page before Dynamite even had their first ever show last October. Oh, come on, Chris Jericho. Let Hangman Page win the championship. Let this young guy, Jericho's been there, done that. Doesn't need to do it. Chris Jericho, I'm sorry. When I look at Chris Jericho, and I know he was a tag guy in the WWE. I know he tagged with The Miz, and he tagged with Big Show, and even had that short stint with AJ Styles. I'm sorry, man. And I'm not even looking at it as far as, like, the tag team division bully. I'm looking at there's very, very few box office stars in AEW right now. Chris Jericho is one of them. I'm sorry, that's somebody that, to me, is always going after the championship, is always in the championship mix when it comes to the heavyweight title. I'm not excited about him and Hager being a tag team going after the tag team championships. I'll give and you the Jake, and so. by the way, Jake Hager too. Jake Hager, like you said, is a singles guy as well. AEW
2: has a responsibility to put on the best possible show at any given moment. If they think Jericho and Hager as a team makes their tag division better, or they probably need something for Jericho to do. He doesn't have a he, just coming out of a feud with Orange Cassidy. He's not in the title picture. Y- you know, uh, honestly, I'd leave him at commentary. I would leave him at commentary and let him do that because he's so damn good at it. As far as them tagging together, it just reminds me of a WWE way of doing things. And, we're tr- and AEW is trying to stay unique and stay true to the things that their fan base loves. What do they love? The uniqueness of their tag division. Oh, AEW, like the, everybody's screaming at the top of their lungs how great the AEW tag division is because they have legitimate tag teams. Great, let's leave the legitimate tag teams alone. But if it's best for AEW business to put Jericho and Hager together in the tag team division, they need to beat Kaz and Daniels and the Lucha Brothers and Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy and your sister's ass and your your mama and everybody else before they get a
1: shot at the championships. Well, one of those teams that you're talking about, Bully, is Santana and Ortiz. So that's go. the other thing too. Like with the Inner Circle, you already have that tag team to me with Santana and Ortiz. I love the way the Inner Circle is cuz you have like those heavyweight championship contenders with Jericho and with Jake Hager. You have like somebody that can go after the TNT championship or somebody that's kind of like, you know, a, a good storyteller in Sammy Guevara. And then you have the tag team with Santana and Ortiz, unless this is a way to break up the inner circle because at some point the inner circle is going to have to face one another with Hager and, and Jericho facing Santana and Ortiz. But I like the way right now that the inner circle is laid out. I don't think you need to mess with it, even though they had those losses like they did this past Saturday at All Out. And, you know, when when
2: uh, when Jericho and Hager try to bully their way into the tag division, Santana and Ortiz step up and go, hey, man, you know, get in line, get behind us. We're all in a circle for life, but we're ahead of you in the tag team division. Maybe we see a little bit of dissension. If you're going to do it, it's just got to make sense. They can't step in next week and all of a sudden have a shot at FTR.
1: That's my point. No, and you mentioned uh, Taz, and you mentioned uh, Taz and how grady has been on the microphone. And Taz was on, you mentioned Jericho and how you like to see Jericho more on commentary. We, we saw Taz on commentary last night, and I thought it was a, a unique opportunity for Ricky Starks. Because while Taz was on commentary is where Ricky Starks did his best uh, Darby Allen. And he went out there with the microphone. And I tell you what, we really didn't know. We talked about this on Monday. We really didn't know about Ricky Starks' personality and his character or about how good he could be on the microphone. I thought Ricky Starks was pretty damn good on the microphone last night. As a matter of fact, to the point where, you know what, I get the relationship between Brian Cage and Taz. I think of what I saw last night with Ricky Starks, don't think Ricky Starks needs to go out there with Taz. I think Ricky Starks could do just as good on his own on the microphone. What were your thoughts? Ricky
2: Starks belongs nowhere near that Team FTW or whatever. He's a breakout star on his own. He can talk. He can entertain. He can wrestle. He doesn't need anybody to talk for him. Brian does. Leave Brian Cage and Taz alone. As a matter of fact, I want to see somebody step up and challenge uh, Brian Cage for that FTW championship, and that person should be Eddie Kingston, and that FTW championship should be around Eddie Kingston's waist because Eddie Kingston is Taz 2.0 when it comes to that FTW championship, not Brian Cage.
1: Eddie Kingston fits the mold, man. You're so right. He fits that Taz mindset. You talk about Taz and what he had to go through in the world of pro wrestling. Bit of a reflection when you, look at, uh, when you look at Eddie Kingston right now. Don't you think so, Bully? Give me Eddie Kingston and Taz
2: in the middle of the ring with two live mics and let that story be told. Right? Let Eddie Kingston call Taz out for putting faith in a guy like Brian Cage who doesn't represent the FTW Championship the same way Taz does. Or, I'm sorry, Taz did. There's so much that can be done there. I have I've voiced my opinion on the FTW Championship, how I thought it was forced in there. I said it could have been great if they would have gave it time, let it unfold the right way, and put it around the right guy's waist. To me, it means nothing. And I think Jericho went on record recently to say, to to him, it means nothing. Now, everybody's entitled to their opinion. If you love that FTW championship, great. So be it. But when I, know it, when I know where it came from and I know who had it around his waist and I knew that guy's personality, his anger, his angst, his venom, his piss and vinegar, and how Taz actually made the FTW championship as credible as a made-up championship could possibly
1: be, is Brian Cage carrying on that legacy of credibility? It's, it's not a good fit. You're so right. Eddie Kingston would be a much better fit for that championship title. Thank you. Have a nice day. Eight seven six. Because you know what? It's not a championship title.
2: <laughs> it, it's, it's all no, about attitude. It, repre- it represents, the FTW championship represents somebody being pissed off at the world of pro wrestling because they think they have been done the wrong way. That's why the championship was invented, because Taz thought he was being done dirty. What's Brian Cage's gripe? That uh, there wasn't enough protein in his his seventh meal of the day? Come on. 877 By the way, phone lines are open to anybody in AEW who ever wants to debate me on this shit.
1: 877 344 fight 93 Let's get back to the phones. Let's go out to Jeff in Michigan. Jeff, what did you want to say about AEW How you last doing? night?
0: What up, Jeff? Hey, hey. hey. Uh, first time caller. Uh, listen Welcome. as much as I can. I love you guys. Great show. Thanks, man. um AEW, good show last night. I mean, it was good, not great. But I thought the Miro... Uh, the Miro spot was, was amazing. I thought it was great. It would have been fantastic. Had there been, a, you know, an actual crowd there. Um, my I guess my question on that was, really you know, quick, what Jeff, Jeff, say, before you
1: go on, Jeff, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you talk, but you Jeffy, said that Jeff, it was Jeff, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on, Jeff. Cause uh, and you're a first time caller. So I'm going to give you a little time here what prevented it okay. from being a better show cuz you said it was a good show but not a great show what prev- what in your mind cuz i i actually thought last night was great what what prevented that show from being a great show last night
0: you know i don't know if it's something i can put my finger on i mean it was just i just felt like they had other shows that just were better I said it wasn't a bad show I just, you know, I just felt maybe there wasn't enough wow factor for me in certain areas, like where there was in other shows. Um, like I said, I thought it was a good show. I just, it didn't stand out to me as much as some of the other ones did. I don't know if that's something I could really put my finger on. All right, okay, go ahead, Jeff. So the Miro spot, like I said, would have been fantastic had there actually been a crowd. And you know, his his mic work, you know, it's definitely going to get him over. My question, I guess, is do you feel it, you know, that it, in order for him to get over, even though his wife isn't really in a you know, predominant storyline or being utilized very much in the WWE, do you feel like there could be repercussions for what he had to say?
1: This is an interesting phone call. And Jeff, please make it a habit to call. Thanks for the first time call. Um, bully. I mean, you know, Lana still being employed by the WWE, her husband is in AEW, not just goes to AEW, but also badmouths the company as well. Kind of we saw that similar when it came to John Moxley and Renee Young. Does Lana have to worry about any ramifications? Because, you know, you said the WWE, hey, they don't let you get over, you know, as far as like, you know, in a natural way. Could there be ramifications here? Of course there could.
2: They can't get back at Miro. So, just like the Mafia does, they screw with your family. So, for the next month, Lana's in singles matches. Jobbing out in three, four minutes. That's how they get back at you. Is that, am I saying that's what's going to happen? No. There's a million and one ways the WWE can get you. I can get you a hundred different wrestlers on the phone right now, and they can talk about a different way the WWE got them. It's all because they have, what's that C word, Dave? Control. The second line of Motorhead's song, The Game, tells you everything you know about, need to know about the wrestling business. What's the second line
1: of the song? Dad, sing it's the song all, from the beginning. It's all about the game and how you play it. It's all about the game. And if no. you can... It's all about control Control and if you can can take it. Take it. Truer words have
2: never been spoken. Control, control, control. That's what's going on with this third-party stuff with WWE also, you know, with the Twitch stuff and everything like that. Now, I'm not saying I disagree because... It doesn't matter what your opinion is. It matters about the words that are on the contract that you signed and had notarized and they signed and had notarized. It means that you agree to every word on that contract and every number on that contract. And if that contract says you can't do that stuff, then you can't do that stuff. We can talk, we can talk to a blue in the face about how, oh, you should be allowed and this and this and this. But if it says you can't in the contract, what are you going to do? You should have negotiated that beforehand. One day, the WWE came to me and Devon, and they said, hey, we're thinking about making somebody else at Dudley. And I said, no, you're not. They're like, what are you talking about? I said, read my contract. They're like, what? I said, yeah, me and Devon negotiated that. You can't make somebody else at Dudley unless me and Devon approve of it. Because we put that in our deal. We negotiated it. And that's all the legs you ever have to stand on is the four corners of your contract. And that's the truth. And a lot of people don't like the truth. Do you think it was, how bitter of a pill do you think it was for me to swallow when they told me, Bubba, we own the Dudley Boy name, you don't? I was in complete fuck you mode. And then when that mode was over, I was like, yep, they're right. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, un- I had to learn about what the law was and what contracts say. And ECW was original intellectual property. Uh, 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 the Dudley name was original intellectual property of ECW. WWE bought ECW out of bankruptcy court. The name is, a, is an asset. Thus, they own the name. Makes sense. It makes sense. But I could have screamed at the top of my head, but, but I was a Dudley before I got to the WWE, and, and you that's why you hired us, because we were Dudleys,
1: and this is wrong, and you shouldn't be doing this. Okay. You want to go to court? Nope. Well, you signed that. You signed, like you said, you signed the contract, and you mentioned the game by Motorhead. In the final verse, it says, I am the game, and I make the rules, so move on out, or you could die like a fool. And I didn't even know that was the last line, but what a great
2: p- call by you. It's it's right there, man. It's the way wrestling's, it's always been. And you're either going to play by those rules or you're not. And not until something changes is anything going to ever be different. So it is what it is. And you you can, people can bitch and moan on social media and, and scream to the top of their lungs. Do I think it would be nice of the WWE to allow their talent to do this Twitch stuff or this third or cameos? Sure it would be. But guess what? If you're doing your own Twitch, you might get over more than they want you to get over.
1: Just like when Matt Cardona did his own YouTube channel. And listen, you know, Rusev last night, what did he, the first thing he mentioned was his Twitch. That's the first thing he mentioned in that promo from last night. Listen, I know it's hard for
2: some people to listen to this show and occasionally get smacked in the face with the reality of the wrestling business and how it is. But I'm telling you the truth. I, don't, I wouldn't lie to you guys. It's not what I'm here for. So what I'm telling you, like I said, is the truth. And that's it.
1: I, I, I don't know how uh, how else to put it. But you know what, Bully? It's not even just the wrestling business. It's the world of business. I mean, that's, you know, this show, for example. Who created the show? I created the show. I came up with the name. I started this. I was doing the show when nobody would pay any attention to the show. Do you think I could leave Sirius tomorrow and take Busted Open and bring it someplace else? I can't. I can't. I own Dave LaGreca. I'm Dave LaGreca. That's me. But that name is now Intellectual Property with SiriusXM. So if I say I'm leaving, they'll say bye, and then they'll put somebody else in this position. Now, I, be, I could scream, and I, now, would that be ethical? Like, would that be the right thing to do since they know that I'm the one that fought for this show for a decade to get it on the air, and I'm the one that created it, and I'm the one that came up with the name? No, but if they want to be if they really want to be quote-unquote business like, they could do that. I don't own the name.
2: Dude, everything you're saying, I totally totally understand. Doesn't make it morally right though. Uh in your case, it wouldn't be morally right. Do I think that the WWE stopping their talents from doing um cameos is morally right? I don't know. Um Take a character that the WWE has just given somebody. Um, g- give me a character. Can, something off the top of your head. Uh, well, let's, say, let's, say, let's say Angel Garza. Okay. Angel Garza. Who created Angel Garza? The WWE. Okay. So if Angel Garza goes out on Cameo and says, get cameos from Angel Garza, who created the character and who gave him the name? WWE. I mean, unless Angel Garza is his real name, I don't know. Is Angel Garza his real name? I'm gonna look because it's, it's a, it's a it's, it, it's, it might be it's, a bad example.
1: It is. It is a bad example because he his his real name is uh, Angel Garza. So Angel Garza is his real. All right, so, but let's use that as an example then, because if Angel Garza wanted to do, it's his real name. It's his name. Could he go to Twitch and cameo and say, "Hey, I'm I'm doing a cameo under this is my name." That I, that I don't know how they can stop
2: because I'm Angel Garza and I'm doing a cameo, okay? Let's take um, uh, Rhea Ripley because that's not her real name, right? Let's say Rhea Ripley goes on cameo and says, hi, this is Rhea Ripley. I want to wish somebody a happy birthday, blah, 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 blah. And WWE might go, that's not the way we want Rhea Ripley perceived,
1: Okay, but but from everything that I've heard, bully, and I could be wrong, from everything I've heard, what really started this was Lana. Like stuff that she was doing on TikTok. But she doesn't use the character name Lana on TikTok. She uses her real name. So can they really prevent? You know, especially since I understand about contracts and everything else. But they are independent contractors. So if if you know, I I think her, her real name is Catherine. So if Catherine goes out and does TikToks and doesn't use her character name, can the WWE really prevent her from doing that? Being that she's using her real name and not the character name that the WWE came up with. Morally, I would say that is completely
2: wrong, and she probably has a case, as does everybody else. But if it's a character that, that they created that's being allowed to do that, then it's a different story because it's their original intellectual property. So, But, but isn't her name like CJ, per- CJ or yes. something like that? Yeah. So if CJ wants to be on TikTok doing CJ-esque stuff, like she, she's into fashion and all that and changing into different outfits... What's the big deal? You're not portraying Lana. You're not saying I'm Lana from the WWE. Then they should just leave it alone. Yeah. But you see, if one person does it, then the second person does it. And it catches on like wildfire. So what does the WWE do? They control the situation from the beginning. If one one person's not doing it, nobody's doing it.
1: All right, so like Alexa Bliss does it too. She does it under her real name. She does cameos. I think it's she charges like four hundred bucks, and she uses her real name. So to me, that should be okay because she's using her real name and she's not using her character name. Especially if, especially if she's saying hi, this is whatever her real name is. Yeah, and she's uh, you know, and she's not using the WWE brand or anything else. I don't think there's a problem with that. there, I think each of these examples
2: are situational, real names. I don't know how you could stop, especially when you look at it from an independent contractor uh, perspective. And this is where I agree with Kevin Nash and Mick Foley when they were sticking up for them. A true independent contractor can do whatever they want, but... If the WWE gave you the name and the character, how much can you do with that name and that character that they created? This is where it gets really gray. And if you think that you're right, you know what you got to do? What's that? Take them to court. And do you have enough money or does any of this talent have enough money to drag
1: the WWE through court over something like this? And then on the other side, are you really that making that much money off your cameo and your Twitch that it's worth, you know, risking your career and job with the WWE over, you know, what is essentially not money that's going to be able to, you know, carry what you actually make in the WWE? That's
2: it. You know, um, you're always going to get strong armed. It's going to happen. Um, and I, and I gave you an example of intellectual property and a name that I thought I had complete rights to. But then once I smartened got smartened up, I realized I didn't. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open
1: Podcast.
3: Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style.